Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this February the 21st in the year of our Lord 2024. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and it's a Wednesday, and we're going to be taking a look at another important lesson from the second Sunday in Lent, which is coming up this February the 25th. We have already taken a look at Romans 5, 1 to 11. That is the epistle where it talks about that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, we want to take a look at the Old Testament reading today from Genesis chapter 17. And it's talking about Abraham. It's when he is 99 years old. So God had appeared to Abraham when he was 75 years old and told him that he would have a son with his wife, Sarah, which of course would be hard to believe since they were both past childbearing age. But it said Abraham believed it and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That is such an important point as to how human beings are truly saved under Christianity. They believe promises from God rather than count on their good works. So, the Lord appeared to Abraham when he was 99 years old, and he said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Now, Abraham was a sinner. How could he walk before God blameless? Well, there's two ways of being blameless in the Bible. There's what the Old Testament says, which is by your works. But there is also what the New Testament says, which is by believing the promises of God Almighty. Those are two different ways. The world has not yet traveled from the first way of being blameless to the second way of being blameless, because that takes the power of the Holy Spirit that we receive when we are baptized or when we come to faith in hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ then we are walking blameless and God has made a new covenant. Now it's interesting to note that the word testament can also be meant as covenant, translated as covenant. For example, when a person dies, 
they leave their last will and covenant, which is really their last testament. And what God is talking about is a new testament. That's why we call it the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, all the way through the book of Revelation. It is a testament that Jesus is talking about in Mark chapter 1, where you are to repent of your sins as a preparation for receiving the new covenant, which is the forgiveness of sins that you are blameless because God gives you faith. Then it says, Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. And then God explains the meaning of that new name. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you. What's this new covenant? This new covenant is salvation, not by works, but through believing the promises of God. And that is a promise that God Almighty is making to Abraham. He says, I will make and establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. What is this everlasting covenant? It's promises from God that he will keep Abraham and the multitude of nations over which he is a father in a proper relationship with Almighty God. And that will include not only many nations, but also all his offspring. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall bless her name. Why the change? Because I will bless her. And moreover, 
I will give you a son by her. Now, is God here talking about Jesus? No, he's talking about Isaac. Isaac is the promised son that will be coming to Abraham and Sarah. Verse 16, and this is Genesis verse 17. I will bless her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. King of peoples shall come from her. So this is God's promise to Abraham. And it's very important to understand this in light of the New Testament. If you don't have the New Testament and the promises that are fulfilled in that, you will not understand how Sarah is going to be a woman followed by many nations. How does that occur? That is explained in the New Testament book of Romans. And it begins with verse six. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Now, this is a really important point that God is making through the Apostle Paul. Because in Judaism, which was a form of the new covenant, people were under the impression that they were part of the new Israel because they descended from Abraham. Well, that's not what God is saying. Not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. That means not everyone who thinks they're children of Abraham are part of Almighty God the Father because they are offspring descended from Abraham. So God makes a big difference. He says, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So verse eight of Romans nine explains what God is saying. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. And then Paul returns back to the Old Testament from God to Abraham. For this is what the promise said 
Notice, it's a promise from God that the new nations of Abraham will not be children of the flesh, namely those who are descended from Abraham, but instead they will be children who believe the promise of God. So God says to Abraham, about this time next year, I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue. Now, now listen to the next work, words. Not because of works, but because of him who calls. She was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, Verse 16 of Romans 9, it is not dependent, that is your salvation, does not depend on human will or your exertion. And the word exertion there is referring to your works. So it doesn't depend on your human will making the decision to be saved by doing good works. It depends on God who has mercy. Now remember what mercy means. Mercy means God will not give you what you deserve, namely eternal punishment because your works are never sufficient to save you, nor is your own will. So he reminds Abraham what the scripture says to Pharaoh. For this very purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth so that he who has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills. So what God is saying here is that the old covenant that was given through Moses of the Ten Commandments shall not save anyone from damnation. 
Instead, going back to Romans chapter 5, therefore, since we have been justified by faith. What does that mean? To justify is a legal term, meaning to declare not guilty or to declare righteous. You see, we are unable to keep the law perfectly. So nobody is saved by perfection to the law. But Jesus kept the law perfectly for us and paid the penalty for our sin. How did he do that? He paid the penalty through his death and resurrection. It is because of Christ that God declares us righteous. That means that those who trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior are now in a positive relationship with God. And we have access to the Father and his blessings through faith in Jesus Christ. Christians now have come to a realization that God can produce good things, not through their works, but through their suffering. Suffering against the world, the flesh, and the devil. The Holy Spirit works in the Christian's life, helping the Christian through suffering teaching him endurance, developing character, and giving hope. And this all occurred, according to verse 6 of Romans 5, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, therefore, according to verse 9 of Romans 5, since therefore... We have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That wrath of God was against us because while we were still sinners, God was angry with us. But now he has declared us righteous. We are no longer sinners in his eyes. That's what we talked about a week ago 
on one of our programs where we talked about simul justus et peccator. That's Latin for we are at the same time just while we are also sinners. Why? Because God has declared us just through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's a faith that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. That's why we are saved from the wrath of God. For according to verse 10 of Romans 5, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And we will also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, because it is through Jesus Christ that we have received God's reconciliation. See, that's a huge difference between the religion of the world. The religion of the world believes that you get reconciled by your good works. But God's wrath is not taken away from you because you are unable to do the good works of God by your own works or your own will. This is the basis of the Christian faith, that we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Remember how sin came into the world according to verse 12 of Romans 5, it came through one man, namely Adam, and that resulted in our death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. And that was an eternal death where we deserve nothing but hell forever and ever. For sin indeed was in the world, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But we have received a free gift. Through Jesus Christ, the free gift is the righteousness and holiness of God. And God graciously grants us through faith in Christ, Jesus and his death on the cross. That's what baptism is all about. To be baptized into Christ means we are connected with Christ's work. Christ's work, who died 
on behalf of our sins. He paid the punishment that should have been ours. And therefore, by paying the penalty for our sin, his saving work is now applied to us in our baptism. That's the promise. So the law, yes, it came, but it actually increased the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Verse 21 of Romans 5, so that as sin might reign through righteousness, we were led to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Verse 3 of chapter 6, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were on the cross with Christ. Our sins were paid for by his death and sacrifice. We were also buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too now walk in the newness of life. We have been united with him, not only in his crucifixion, not only in his burial, but according to verse 5 of chapter 6 of Romans, we have been united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin is brought to nothing. So we are no longer enslaved to sin. Instead, he who has died is set free from sin. And that death was our death on the cross with Jesus Christ. That's the good news of the gospel to share with every person in the world so they too come to faith and are saved. More on Law and Gospel tomorrow. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.